I believe, I believe that God is in the season, this is his season, to start opening some doors in our lives. Can somebody say a good amen? I mean, I'm excited about God opening doors because he opens a door, no man can close it. Somebody say amen to that. And if he closes the door, no man can open it. That's the other side of this. We'll get to that another time. I want to lay the foundation today. I've already gotten incredible feedback from first service. I just know it's a now word for people that, that are struggling, going through things in their life. Let's look at the, the uh, foundation scripture here. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9 says, For a great, this is Paul talking to the church now. It's a letter to the church. He said, For a great and an effective door has opened to me. Now, that's what we get excited about. We all get excited about the open door because I get excited about the open door. It's nice to know that God's got a, a new dimension for us to walk into, a new atmosphere of expectancy to walk into. But here's the other part we don't get too excited about. It's hip, hip, hooray for the first part of that verse. And it's like, oh, no, is the second part of that verse. It says this, for there are many adversaries. For for every great and effective door God opens to us, we've got to understand the devil is on the other side of that threshold and does not want us to go through. But how many knows we've got the victory? We got the victory, the victory. I remember that song, amen. Over the devil and all his circumstances. So I say amen to that. We bind up the devil now in the name of Jesus and we say we're going through that door. Hallelujah. And to be honest, a lot of you, a lot of you need a resurrection in your life. It's like the enemy took a hold of you maybe a month ago, could be 10 years ago, and tried to destroy you, take you out, make you feel less of yourself than you should. It's like the devil has told you that you can't go any further than you've already gone, that whatever it was, it's over. You've had your chance. You've had your opportunity. Now you can't go in. I'm telling you that's a lie of the devil. That's a lying spirit. That's not God's voice. Come on. God never looks at your past to determine your future. He never looks at who you was, come on, to tell you who you are. You're moving in because God before you, who can't be against you? You're preaching too soon, preacher, preaching too soon. I want to declare this morning over you that no matter what the devil has said about you, no matter what trick he tried to pull on you, no matter what they have said about you out there in the world, you're walking through that door today. And when life gives you a setback, you never sit back. You arrange for your comeback because you are the comeback kid, baby. That's what God called you to be. And the more of a mess you got yourself into, the more of a message you're going to end up having. And the more the test you went through, the more of a testimony you're going to get. That's God's plan for your life. Can I get somebody to say, hey, hey? your neighbor and say you're coming through I felt the power of God be released right there you are coming through <laughs> if God's got to grab you by your shirt and pull you through you're coming through <laughs> let's look at John if you will this is the story I want to get to today John chapter 11 verse 17 so when Jesus came he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, let's stop right there and pause. He's talking about this man. He said he found he had already been dead for four days. He, 
he's talking about a man named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus, many of you know in the scripture, you've read the word of God, you know who he is, but let me just kind of break it down real quick. Lazarus was more than just, more than just an acquaintance. Lazarus was a friend. Lazarus was not just a friend. Lazarus was like a brother to Jesus. They were close, y'all. Matter of fact, Mary and Martha is the sisters of Lazarus. You probably know more about them. That's the time when they were called to, uh, they were called to his ha- their house and Jesus came to eat. And, 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 and Martha's running around like a chicken with her head cut off. And she's making all these preparations. And she wants everything to be just right. And she's good at what she does. And she's preparing the meal and making everything real nice. And everything was fine. She didn't mind working hard until she saw her sister sitting on the floor in her mind doing nothing but listening to Jesus tell stories. That is kind of aggravating. Come on. You're working your tail off and your, your, your sister's got, sitting on hers. Come on, somebody. And she's listening to you. Oh, Jesus, you're the best ever. He tells another story. You know, that, that, that's what she's seeing. And, and she gets upset. She says, Jesus, I've been working all, like crazy all day. And here Martha just sits there and she ain't doing nothing. He said, you know, Martha, you worry about a lot of things. But the, Mary now, she's chosen that good part. In other words, it's not that you did wrong. Don't be jealous, though, that Mary decided she's going to go ahead and enter and she don't care if her house is a wreck right now. Y'all don't want to talk to me. She don't care what's, what going, what's, what's happening on television. She ain't going to join the rest of the, she, She's not going to binge watch Netflix right now. Come on. She is with the Lord, and some of us need to take note of that. It's so important that we get things done in life, but it's more important that we spend time with the master, with Jesus. She chose the better part. She did. Problem is, it frustrates other Christians. <laughs> anyway. So now you have, they're close, they're friends. And, um, and there was a tradition, a Jewish tradition in those days, and it was well known that they believed in the resurrection, but they only believed it could happen within three days. Interestingly enough, Jesus was raised from dead within a three-day period, but it was not really something that was taught as the word of God, but as a, a religious tradition, a, a Jewish tradition that was a hand, hand-me-down type of a thing, and everybody knew about it. And so uh, three days, they believed the spirit would hang around the body or be attached to the body and with the hopes of being able to reunite with the body in resurrection. But after the fourth day, it was a done deal. The spirit went to wherever its location was supposed to go. If they did well, they were righteous, they went to heaven. If they didn't, they would go to hell. And that's what they carried their belief on. So this person, Lazarus, was in the tomb for four days. That means he's what? He dead. Come on, someone say amen. He's not just dead. He's dead, dead. He's no chance of him ever coming back into his body. Now, this is interesting because they had already gotten word to Jesus before he died. He was only sick, that he was dying, and that he was, his, he was being summoned to come and heal him so he wouldn't die. But then Jesus got off track, so to speak. He was asked to go somewhere else. He decided he was going to go with them and went somewhere else and ministered to those people, and it took him four extra days to get to Lazarus. And everybody knew what Jesus had done. It says this now, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Sounds like Mary. And now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Who you talking to? Come on. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. She can't answer it right. She kind of goes on a little tangent. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Well, he never did call for her. Come on. But you know how it is when you don't get the right answer. Come on. Maybe he'll tell you the right answer. Amen. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that what her sister said? You think them girls been talking? You know they were talking. Do you know why I can't prove it? But you can't prove me wrong. Human nature tells me they were very disappointed with Jesus. They probably were offended with Jesus. Lord, if you'd have been here, he would not have had to die. And you know it's the fourth day. We gave you three extra days even after he died. And by the way, Lord, we called you before he died in the first place. And if you came on the first day, you'd have healed him and he would have never died at all. But instead now, you come late. You go minister to other people. You loved on other people. While our brother who take care, took care of you and we're like family to you, this is how you treat family? We feel like that. Like, God, you're blessing them, and you're helping them, and you're healing them, and you're touching them. What about me? And we get upset. We're disappointed with the Lord. And we get offended, like as if, as if he's, he has no ability now to come and help us or bless us or get us out of the situation. You know, Lord, had you been here, he would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in your Bible. That's it, right there, right there. Jesus wept. And then uh, they said about him, see how he loved him. And then they said, and some said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? See, the truth is, the first part of that, that, that question was, first part of that, that, that comment was, he loved him. That's why he's crying. That wasn't the truth. The truth was what was hidden in their heart. They said, they were upset. They looked at him and said, oh, he must be crying because he wasn't able to perform the miracles he said he could do. He wasn't crying for either one of those. He wasn't crying because he was sad for Lazarus, and he wasn't crying because he couldn't do the miracle. He was weeping because he looked up at him and saying, how long have I been with you? I've told you who I am and what I'm capable of doing, and yet you still won't believe. I wish we could get some believers in the house today that would say, I don't care what it looks like. I'm believing God anyways. I don't care if I got to go through hell. I don't care if I got to climb the mountain. I don't care what they say. I'm going through my door. Yeah. 
And then Jesus came again, groaning himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, I like that. I caught that in first service. I like that. Martha, the sister of him who was dead. He had been dead for four days and already lost his name. They already got a big fat label on him. That's the guy who died. What's his name? What's his name again? The guy who died. Come on. That's the guy who could have been. That's the woman that should have been. Oh, y'all ain't gonna talk to me today. People put all kinds of labels on us, don't they? They label you this and that. They want to hold you back to your past. Want to remind you every mistake you ever done. Come on, put a label on you. That's the guy who died. That's the woman that should have had this. That's the woman should have been a millionaire by now because she told us she was going to be one and she still ain't. That's the woman that said she's going to have kids and ain't had one kid yet. It goes on and on and on and they put labels on us. Do you find that interesting? I do. Didn't even call him by his name. And here's what it says. Uh, Lord, by this time, he said, roll away that stone. By this time, there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Reminded him again, it wasn't two days, Jesus. It wasn't three days when we had a little hope. It's the fourth day, and I want to remind you, he probably stinks really bad right now, and you want to talk about how he's going to come out of this grave? And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You're telling me that all I've got to do is begin to believe God, believe the Lord, believe the Lord, and all I've got to do is that, and all of a sudden I can see the glory of God show up in my life? That's exactly right. And if you don't want to, guys, don't take it. I want to be a person of faith. Why? It fills me up with joy. It gives me hope. Come on. I don't get frustrated. I'm not angry all the time. I'm not, I'm not uh, offended all the time. I'm actually saying, Lord, I, I believe. I believe. And he begins to deal with what's, what's keeping me bound back in that tomb. Look what it says here. It says, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because the people were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, still ain't got his name right, he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. I want to say this today in this place. I want to say that if he would not have called out the name, if he would have said, the one who died, come forth, guess what? Every single one of those graves would have been empty. That's the power of the resurrection of our Jesus. Come on. But he got specific, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. That means only one with that name can come. God knows how to identify you beyond your grave clothes, beyond your labels, beyond your problems. He knows how to get a hold of you and pull you up out, whatever you're going through. He knows specifically, he said, I will make the way of escape. He didn't say I make many ways. He said I make the way of escape. He knows exactly what to do to get you out of your problem. And if you have had a death, and I'm talking about your spirit, I'm talking about your dreams, I'm talking about your destiny. If there's been a death in those things, God knows exactly how to resurrect them. 
Glory. Undoubtedly, one of the most dramatic miracles in the ministry of Jesus. And today, I want to speak to those that feel that their time will never come. That they're locked behind a door. That their dream, their vision, their destinies have died. No chance of recovery. No chance of resurrection. That the door has been closed forever. And though you might never admit it, you feel as if you can never really attain the great things you once believed. Some of you feel like you've had an opportunity and you've missed your opportunity. And you believe, used to be a believer, I believe this and I believe that, and now you find it hard to believe just to get out of bed in the morning. Today I've come to speak a word of resurrection in your spirit with a gift of faith to cause you to believe that all things are possible once again in your life. You've got to stir up the gift, which is the gift of faith that God has deposited in every man. He has given a measure of faith, which means you want to believe. You want to believe. You find it hard to believe, but you want to believe. And God said, you got to stir that thing up. Let it like an ember. You begin to stir it and you begin to blow on it until it becomes a flame again in your life. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I don't care what it looks like around me, what I can see with my natural eyes. I don't go by my vision on the outside. I go by my vision on the inside. Because what I see on the inside is the reality of who I am, and I begin to work that out by my faith. But if I go by my circumstances, they begin to dictate to me how my life is going to go. That's the liar. What's inside of me is the truth. And greater is he that is in me, oh, church, than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me. You may not see that destiny, but it's on the inside of me, and but by faith. I'm going to push this thing through. Come on. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Come on, church. If it ever gets inside of you, the devil knows if it ever gets inside of you, if this word ever gets inside of you, it's over for him. It has more power. It has more validity. It has more value. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. And I want to tell you that most of us have been relegated by the views and the opinions of what other people thought about us. You've heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again. First thing you got to get delivered of, you want some deliverance? Get delivered of people's opinions about you. Who cares what people think about you? I've noticed that the older I get in life, the more I could care less. I worried about, I'm not much of a worry in those things anyway, but when I used to, I think, why would I spend me in a moment of time thinking about that? It didn't, have, it didn't hinge, nothing hinges to that. In other words, I'm going to stand before God alone and give an account for my life. Nobody's there. I'm going to be there. Did you hear me? He, I must say, well, Lord, they didn't think I could. Who's they? Who are they that told you that nonsense? What did I tell you? We got to get delivered of people's opinions. They're a dime a dozen. And sometimes they're good and most of the times they're bad. But you know what I found out? If you're waiting around for people to pat you on the back, trust me, a couple will. The other have a knife on your back. Oh, I must be talking to the wrong crowd today. Mm-hmm. 
It's not what we think or they think that matters. It's what we think that matters. They want us to always be what we always have been. And they don't want you to succeed. They don't want you, they don't want you to get out of your hood. You start talking about, yeah, we're going to move on the other side of town. What do you mean move on the other side of town? We ain't good enough for you anymore? No, so I said, no, you ain't. <laughs> oh, you all, you all, okay, you got to raise. Okay, you got to raise. Okay, I see. I see. And now you're better than us. They may not say it, but that's what they think. I'm going to tell you something. When God calls you to be successful, never be ashamed of the success God gives you. You're supposed to be a message. That's a message. That's a message. Never be ashamed of it. How many of you ever run into people in the old days? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, grocery store, whatever, outside, you know, maybe some festival. You're out there and they say, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? And they want to pull you back to what you used to be. And they start telling you, remember we did this? And I can't, I'm, they'll do that to me and I'll go, I don't remember that. I thought I was bad, but man, I, I'm 10 times worse than I thought I was. I don't remember doing that. You sure you got the right, oh yeah, it was you because you said that. And I remember the girl you were dating, they'll tell you the stuff. I'm going, oh my gosh, I can't remember that stuff. And it, you know why? Because I don't dwell on it. I'm not the same person. Physically, I am. That was my past. Physically. But the Bible says, now that I know Jesus Christ, I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not the same man. I don't get my same thrill or kicks like I used to get. Come on. Now, let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, I got to go. I <laughs> got to go. Why? They want to relegate you to your past. They want to tether you to who you used to be. They don't want you to succeed beyond that. And that's all right. That's for them. But don't let their opinion get on you. Been telling this church forever. Don't talk like the hood. Quit talking like the hood. The hood got in you. That's not God for you. If you stay in the hood, you're there to change it. Should be knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. Invite them for a party. Ain't no alcohol here, but we want to tell you about the Lord and give you a good meal while we're doing it and just bless them real good. That's what you should be doing, not drinking like them, smoking weed like them, cussing like them. Don't get me started now. Act just like them. Look just like them. I'm going to keep it real, real. Uh-huh. I better not keep it that real. There's something just came in my head. I said, not that real. I don't know if the Lord wants me to keep it that real today. Hallelujah. But we shouldn't look like them either. Come on. Ladies, ladies, it's summertime. They don't have to be that short. They're shorts, but they don't have to be that short. This is stylish. How come we all want to take the picture like this? In the mirror. I don't want to see that. What are you doing? Aren't we about Jesus? I didn't know we were about booty. I thought we were about Jesus. Look at all the people. Don't look down. I'll know who you are. I'll know who you are. I just think, that, and then we wonder why, why, then we wonder why we catch the wrong men. That, you wonder, no, you want to hear this. That's why you catch the wrong men. You thought I looked good. Everybody thought you looked good. That ain't the question. The question is, do you want a man that thinks you look good or a man that's going to provide, take care of you, love you, not have four other women on the side? Love Jesus, raise the family in the house of God? Amen. I told you I should have just left it right there. I should have just left it right there. 
<laughs> it's okay. There's some people that want to watch us crash and burn, go down. They might never tell you that. You know something, how we build people up only to tear them right back down again? What, what is that inside of us that does this? It's like we just can't help ourselves. We want to praise them until they become almost like God, put them on the pedestal, and they make one mistake, and oh, my God, we want to tear them down, and we want them to suffer. And we feel good about that. That's not what we as believers should be. We should never be about, I told you so. Amen. And although people want to tell you how to live their lives and what to do, and they've never taken one risk in their life to benefit themselves or others, they want to sit back and tell you how you have done everything wrong. That's why I don't allow Monday morning quarterback in my life. I don't allow them people come in my life say, you could have done this, you should have done that. You don't think I know that? You don't think I know that? It's so easy to point out people's failures. I want people around me that says, yeah, you messed up, but I want to make sure you never do that again because I see the man of God you are, and we're going to push you forward. We're going to make you, come on, you're coming with me. Not, I told you so. Ha, 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 did you hear about Pruitt? That's nonsense. That's not who we are as a people. Amen, somebody. Let me make the statement. When you're down and in need of help, unfortunately, it's at that point that people make decisions about you. When you are at your worst or in your worst shape, they'll count you out. This is where the devil comes along in that moment to put you in the tomb of this is all it will ever be. This is all you'll ever have. This is the best as it's going to get. How do you know if you're in that tomb today? I wrote down a couple things. When, you lost, when you've lost your vision, you're in that tomb. When you can no longer see beyond today about where you're going. You used to have those dreams, and now you don't dream like that anymore. When you've lost your joy, when you've lost your courage, to step out in faith and do something new. When you've lost your motivation to go forward. When you begin murmuring and complaining. I'm going to tell you where you're at. You're in the tomb. You're stuck behind the stone. You're behind the door. The Bible says that Lazarus was sick. In church, we've allowed people's opinions, our circumstances, and our emotions to make us soul sick. Soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the Bible talks about soul prosperity. In 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Well, that means my soul can prosper, which means my mind prospers, my thought life, my will, what I will to do, what I will not do, that prospers. Um, and my emotions, what I, what I emote, what I emote. Those are things that God wants to prosper in my life. The word prosperity means to do well, to go over, and to arrive into your destination. So I'm saying that Lazarus was sick, but a lot of God's people are soul sick. They're not in control of their thought lives, and they're getting sicker. They're not in control of their emotions, and they're getting sicker. They're not in control of their will. They should be, but they're not. They let their flesh drive their will process. And then the Bible says that Lazarus actually ends up dying, that he died. And then they took linen and they wrapped him up in that linen. Catch this. The grave clothes 
are meant to hide the stink that happens when things die. So instead of focusing on the resurrection, we get wrapped up in things we never would have before. When we feel like our life has come to an end or it's just we did, we did what we could and there's no more to it, we begin to die. And if we do die spiritually, we get wrapped up in what could have been, what should have been. We get wrapped up in our emotions of anger, of depression, of backbiting. Because we start seeing our brothers and sisters and they're doing well and we're not doing as well as we think we should and they're doing better than us and we get upset by it. And we start to cause strife and division in the body of Christ. Or we get wrapped up in offense. We get offended because we think that, we think that you know, uh, they shouldn't have but I should. And I'm offended that they got this or they got their way and I didn't get mine. You know, it's interesting how it works. And ha- are we not living in a culture of absolute offense. Everybody, oh my God's offended about something and we just can't wait to tell the world how offended we are. When I was coming up, that was a weakness. By the way, I'd still view it as a major weakness. If I'm offended, I'm not gonna put the whole, I'm not gonna tell the whole world how offended I am. I get before God, man. I deal with the offense. Do you know why? Because the word offense, Jesus said, spoke of offense. It's the Greek word scandalon. It's where we get the word scandal, right? And we love drama, man. We like scandal. We want to know the scandal. What's, tell me what's going on. Oh, really? I'm going to share this. <laughs> right? We can't wait to this. I mean, it's just scandal all the time going on, right? Because we get offended. And Jesus said, Scandalon, beware of Scandalon. And Scandalon carries the idea of a hunter that's on the prey for big game. And what he'll do for the big game is he will dig a hole, a pit. He puts sharp objects in the bottom of the pit. And then once it's set, comes back out, and he begins to lay the branches down and then the leaves and the grass to make it look like it's the floor of the wilderness. It matches everything. And then unbeknownst to the bear or the tiger or whatever he's, whatever he's trying to trap, he's walking along and then snap, snap, snap. He falls right through the hole, didn't even know that it was there, and he's caught in scandalon. He's caught. That's what Jesus said the word offense is likened unto, that the devil is trying to set a trap for you. And he's really good at it. He knows what to bait that thing. He puts the bait right in the middle of that thing. He knows what right to bait it to draw you in and snap, crackle, pop. You end up at the bottom of that baby. And now you are trapped and you're bleeding and you're wounded and you can't get out. He said in the last days, people would be offended more and more and more. Everybody's triggered by something. You better, mom, dad, you better teach your children. You better stop this stuff. That's not how we hold ourselves here in this household. Forgive. Let them go. And by the way, you're not really even that mad about it. But the truth is, because you want to be like everybody else and triggered by this and triggered by that, after a while, you're going to find yourself madder and madder and more offended and more offended. That's how it goes, church. We're not even upset by stuff. And all of a sudden, because everybody else is, well, I, I feel like I've got to put my two cents in too. And you got trapped, and now you're caught. you got to beware 
that the, the trap has been set and that it's going to keep you in a place where you're going to die spiritually and never walk through your door. The grave clothes are the devil's way of labeling you. Yeah. He's labeled you. He says, you're a homosexual. That's who you are. No hope. That's the way it is. You're a drug addict. No hope. You're an alcoholic. You're a bad parent. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're damaged goods. No hope. And that's what he does. He puts those labels on us to keep us backed into that place. That's what happens to folks that let go of their destinies. The devil comes along and buries them. Why? He's decided that you won't be back. Well, then Jesus shows up. Come on, somebody. And he is the resurrection. He is the life. And he says, you got another thing coming. I'm going to fight for you. And they were offended with Jesus. They didn't like that he was ministering to everybody else that he don't even know and won't even come to their house who he does know, but he has a plan. He knows what has to take place. He knew the testimony, and he knew that this story would live on forever and ever and ever. Jesus showed up. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus will plead our case. He's the one that will talk for you when you can't talk for yourself. Somebody say amen to that. He said, show me where you have laid him. In other words, show me where you gave up. Show me where you stopped believing. What, what, what did they say to Jesus? They said, no, Lord, no, no. By now, he stinks. In other words, he's too far gone to be used by God. You don't get it. He had his chance. And you had a chance to help him, and neither one of them happened. It's done now. But Jesus says, take me where he is. And then he says, roll away the stone. Open the door. Open the door. Many times we're wanting God to open the door that he's commanded us to open. And then he said, loose him and let him go. Jesus wasn't intimidated by death, nor was he afraid of the stink, but he stands flat-footed and he cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He calls him by his name, not by his infirmity, and not by his label. And Lazarus, come jumping, hopping out. Come on, come hopping out, hopping out. He was all wrapped up. When people come in to this church, they're wrapped up, guys. And they don't talk like us, and they don't, they don't, they don't smell like us. I, not naturally speaking, but in the sense of they, they still have the, the stench of death. The world is on them. But when they come, our job is to loose them and to let them go. According to Isaiah 61, that God gave us that verse as our scripture, our, our mission, our purpose is that we are to call them a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And those are the same people that were what? They were messed up, rejected by society, mourning and in grief because of this and that, had a spirit, spirit of heaviness. We don't say that's who you are. We call you who you're supposed to be. And we do a little bit of this and that, and we do a little scrubbing and let the Holy Spirit begin to clean them up. Next thing you know, they're incredible people. And what a testimony they have. I was dead, but now I am alive. Jesus got a hold of my life. Amen.